Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Friday morning episode. Chris, start us off as we always do with the weather heading into this weekend. In Los Angeles, California, it is mostly sunny, 63 with a sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is cloudy, 81 with thunderstorms throughout the weekend. Chicago, Illinois, it is cloudy, 38 with a cloudy weekend. And in New York City, it is cloudy, 59 with rain throughout the weekend. All right. You know, I got to say, Chris, it's hard to believe that it's already Friday. Uh, It feels like just yesterday we were having the Monday show. This week has flown by, and I don't know. It, it feels weird <laughs> because, look, this week has been one of those weeks where it feels like not really anything has happened. It hasn't been the most busy week I've had, especially recently. It hasn't been the most eventful, but it's just disappeared. Oh, Nick, do you wish you had your week back? I don't know about that, but I will say, I, I, again, I'll just say it feels odd. Well, you know, Nick, next week's Christmas, very magical time of the year. So, <sighs> you know, the whole Christmas theme is here nowadays. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I'm still not in that Christmas holly jolly spirit. Uh, I, I don't think I'll be in the true Christmas spirit until... Uh, we're two days before and I'm finally done with my first semester of college. That'll be like my Christmas gift to myself is just being done. Uh, I think until that point though, there's too much going on for me to just be like, oh yeah, holly jolly Christmas. It's here. No, I, I, no, there's too much. Well, I don't think I'll be in the Christmas spirit until after Annie's birthday, because right now I'm in Annie birthday mode. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm staring at her on the camera because I hear her getting into mischief. And that's how it is for the Annie. If anyone didn't know, that heaven forbid you say her name, she'll come running. So that's a good thing. You can say I trained her well in that area. The one area I didn't train her well in is not to get into mischief. Um, because she has learned the laundry basket, you know, the dirty laundry baskets, how they have little holes in them, like on the side. Yeah. Well, she's learned that if she sticks her teeth in there, she can pull out socks, underwear, (laughs) washcloths, anything that's small enough to get through that hole. She's learned that she can pull it out and go running down the hall. And it doesn't even disturb the laundry basket. She pulls it out so gentle. And just is gone with it. It's amazing to watch her do it. So then I thought, I'll be smarter than her. I'll put all that stuff towards the back. Well, she's learned to spin the laundry basket around, (laughs) pull it out, and take off. Oh, my God. You know, for all the trouble she gets in, you got to at least give her the credit and say that she is incredibly intelligent. You know, she is. And She's another crafty. thing that me and her another thing me and her have started because I told you before how she loves to play catch and all that. Well, mm-hmm. we're in the winter, so we can't be outside for hours on end playing catch. So 
this game, it started with me standing at the top of the stairs, throw the ball, she would chase it down the stairs, and it would bounce away, and she would go get it, bring it back up the stairs. And some one time I had to go get it because it, with my luck it landed in a box and she couldn't get it. I went down there, she stayed at the top of the stairs, and at the bottom I just threw it out there and she caught it, and then she just dropped it at the edge of the stairs and it bounced all the way down. I caught it, threw it up, and then we just kept on repeating. And we do that just about every night now. And it has morphed into, if she doesn't catch it, I make her come down and grab it. And then she has to run back up. And then before I throw it, she has to lay down. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So hey, I'll be at the bottom of the stairs, and I'll be like, lay. And she lays. Throw it. She catches it. She drops it down. If she doesn't catch it, I, she knows now. She's learned now that if she doesn't catch it, she has to come down the stairs and get it. Oh my god! <laughs> See, that right there is two different things. Because first off, you just have the fact that you know it's a fun game and and everything just to play. But at the same time, hey, you're you are teaching her. You're you know you're teaching her to to learn certain commands and to learn certain uh, routines and stuff. So hey, you know, training exercises and games. It works the brain. Yeah, although I think she pulled her uh, best trick on you yesterday. If if you want to share, for oh, the I don't class. even want to talk about. It. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about the little, the little gifts, the the little gift that she left. Not particularly because I'm still traumatized about it. So Annie has a little stick pile right by the back door that she collects all her sticks and puts them right there. And then every now and then she'll take them out of that pile and run around the backyard. But she always puts them back in that pile before she comes in. And a few times she's tried to take sticks out of that pile and come in the house and think she's going to chew on them. Well, yesterday I let her in. She reaches down into the stick pile and then comes flying into the house, and here I am thinking it's a stick. So I go chasing after her, telling her, no sticks in the house, Annie. We get to the living room. I finally catch up to her, and she drops it after I reach towards her mouth to grab it. And keep in mind, I touched it. She dropped it. On the floor was a dead mouse. Uh... So I screamed, of course, because I touched this thing. And... I grab her because she lunged for it again and I swear to god I saw the thing twitch so that made me scream again uh... so I throw her outside and I go outside and grab a snow shovel scoop this thing up and throw it out in the driveway and it was someone else's problem to deal with it but while I was going to get the shovel I was thinking I swear to god if that thing's alive and it's gone by the time I get back in the house, I am going to scream so loud. I am going to let both animals back in the house. And whichever one finds it first gets an open bag of dog treats or cat treats. And I'm just going to walk away and let them put themselves in a food coma. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, the fact of it getting away is a terrifying prospect. But I just want you guys to know, I was... Uh, Chris and I were working at the time that this happened, and I'm sitting there, and we we were just having a normal discussion, just chatting about something. 
something really random. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of a sentence, I just hear Chris scream because all of a sudden there was just a mouse. And I heard all the lead up to it. I heard him let it, uh, let Annie in. I heard him say no sticks in the house. And then all of a sudden, just all hell broke loose. I screamed bloody murder. I, I was crying because I was laughing so hard. It was beautiful. Like, I was more traumatized that I touched it. And then I, I thought it was alive, so that made me scream even more. Like, if I if I knew it was in her mouth, I don't think I would have screamed. But the fact that I touched it, then she dropped it, and then I swear to God I saw it twitch, that just put me <laughs> over the edge. Oh my god. That's, like, the best practical joke your dog could play on you, I swear. Oh, it was her trophy. She was bringing it in to show everyone. <laughs> I'm just glad the cat didn't, you know, be up at that time and be like, come out to the living room and be like, ooh, what's that? And decide to take a nibble. That oh, I know. really made me scream. Oh, dear God. Imagine if Annie and, and Fuzzy actually ended up going after the mouse at the same time. Oh, my God. The fight that would have broke out. And the mess that would have been created. on this couch, screaming. Yeah, that the yee, that sense chills up my spine. Yeah, it sends chills up your spine. At least you're not the one that had to see a dead mouse in your freaking living room. <laughs> Very true. Very true. The most experience I've Anywho. had with a, the, the most experience I've had with a mouse before we wrap this up is. Uh, uh, going back and forth with it as it's tapping around in the ceiling above my room. I'm tapping on the ceiling with my, uh, with the ring that I wear and it just kind of running off. <laughs> wow. You're a hero. And, you know, just have a casual interaction, a little conversation with a mouse, you know, Morse code. You know, I'm convinced that I have dead mouse or dead bat in my attic because, I would always hear it above my old bedroom, mm. and then I didn't one day. You know, they travel a lot. We have a lot of mice around here um, that you can hear, mostly in the winter. And they get around. Like, they'll go from room to room all the time. So, you know, maybe it died. Dude, I know? don't want to think about it. I don't want to think <laughs> about it. Uh... Well, now that you're traumatized all over again, we have a lot of news to cover this morning, so let's jump right in. As of Wednesday, big changes again for the CMS vaccine mandate. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals says the CMS vaccine mandate for healthcare workers and medical facilities can move forward in more than half the country. Remember, before we get into the ruling, that these cases are not over and there are a lot of lawsuits. Things will continue to change, and as things change, to continue to move forward throughout the courts. You need to also remember, just because one vaccine mandate is put on pause or taken off a of pause or whatever happens, that doesn't mean it applies to all of them. Wednesday's ruling by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals actually overturned partially a lower court ruling out of the district court in Louisiana. We told you at the end of November that the Louisiana court judge put 
into effect an injunction nationwide to pause the CMS vaccine mandate. Wednesday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you can't pause it nationwide. However, you can issue an injunction for the 14 states that originally brought that case. So the states that have the CMS vaccine mandate paused, according to the Fifth Circuit, are Louisiana, Montana, Arizona, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Then, according to the other injunction from a Missouri judge that was upheld by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, the ten other states that had the CMS vaccine mandate paused are Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Again, these rulings will most likely continue to change, and it may end up in the Supreme Court. We don't need to worry about our federal government defaulting on our debt for more than a year. That is because Tuesday night, the Senate and the House passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling $2.5 trillion through 2023. As we have told you before, raising the debt ceiling does not authorize new spending. It only allows the Treasury Department to pay our debts that has occurred throughout many presidents. The vote in the House was 220 to 212, and in the Senate was 50 to 49. Both were straight along party lines. You may remember from Monday when we told you about the complicated deal that was reached by Senate Republican and Democrat leadership that allowed the bill to pass with a simple majority in the Senate instead of the normal 60 votes. The bill went to the president to sign just hours before the country was set to default on our national debt. The Senate has now passed the National Defense Authorization Act. This is the bill that sets the spending level for the Defense Department and the military. The vote in the Senate was overwhelmingly bipartisan. The final vote was 89 to 10. As we told you last week, the NDAA passed the House last week again with overwhelmingly bipartisan support. This is a big bill. It authorizes more than $768 billion of spending next year. That number is $25 billion more than the president requested. This bill, among many other things, includes a major overhaul on how the military prosecutes specific types of crimes, including sexual assault. It also provides for a multi-year independent commission to examine the 20 years the U.S. was in Afghanistan and the withdrawal. It also looks at the extremism in our own military. A provision to allow women to enter the draft was stripped out of the bill before it was passed. You should be getting some letters in the mail from the IRS and do not throw them out. For lots of you, you will be receiving not one, but two important IRS letters in early 2022 that you will need to complete your 2021 taxes. The first letter is for anyone who received the $1,400 stimulus check back in March or April. And the second letter is for those of you who were issued the monthly child tax credit payment in 2021. Starting with the first letter, the stimulus letter, that stimulus payment from March 2021, technically called EIP-3. And if you got EIP-3, you will be receiving a letter called letter 6475 from the IRS. 
that letter will tell you how much money the federal government says you received in federal stimulus payments in 2021. If everything is correct, since these payments are considered non-taxable income, just keep the document with all of your other tax documents. But if you qualify and did not receive EIP3 or whatever portion you were supposed to get a payment for and you or your dependents didn't get it because maybe they didn't have the correct income or didn't count a new baby, then just like last year, you will file a recovery rebate credit for EIP3 on your 2021 tax returns and claim those missing stimulus payments. The second letter, like Chris said, is for all who received the monthly child tax credit. In January 2022, the IRS says you will be receiving letter 6419. That letter will tell you how much the federal government has issued you in monthly child tax credit payments between July and December of this year. You will take that number and subtract it from the amount of child tax credit you can properly claim based on your child's age and your income level. After doing that math, whatever number you come up with is the balance you can claim on your 2021 taxes when you file in 2022. As we get closer to tax season, we will remind you around January 15th when you can start filing your 2021 taxes. This week, you got your final child tax credit. It was issued to parents Wednesday and still may be pending in your bank account. For those parents that meet the financial qualifications and those whose children are no older than the age 17 years old, for most of you, your payment is already in your bank account through direct deposit. For everyone else who qualifies, you got your last payment in the form of a paper check. For some of you, this December payment will be bigger than normal, the IRS says. That's because it may include a payment or two you have been missing. Importantly, even if you are missing a payment, that doesn't mean you are automatically going to get it altogether in this December payment. You may have to instead claim those missing payments or payment on your 21 tax return after you receive letter 6419 in early January. If you are wondering why this is the last monthly child tax credit, it is because these monthly payments were a result of the American Rescue Plan package that was passed by Congress earlier this year. But that law said that the child tax credit program expired at the end of 2021. And here we are, lawmakers have crafted a new law that would extend the monthly child tax credit program, but that is stalled in the Senate, and that bill, of course, is the Build Back Better plan. Former President Trump's Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, is being held in contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate. This is coming as people in the Trump White House were aware in advance that those days' events could turn violent. This contempt referral is now in the hands of the Justice Department, making Mark Meadows the first former White House Chief of Staff to face potential criminal charges since the Watergate era. In the charges where Mark Meadows once served, the House sought criminal contempt charges against former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. The nearly party-line vote comes after the January 6th Select Committee revealed new text messages from unnamed Republican lawmakers where they discussed potential ways to overturn the results of the election. 
message read, here is an aggressive strategy. Why can't the states of Georgia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania and other Republican-controlled states declare this is BS where conflicts and elections not called that night and just send their own electors to vote and have to vote and have to go to the SCOTUS, unquote. Committee Vice Chair Liz Cheney took it a step further, suggesting that the former president may have illegally obstructed an official proceeding of Congress, which is a felony. Did Donald Trump, through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's official proceeding to count electoral votes? Liz Cheney also read text messages that were sent to Mark Meadows the day of the attack. The president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. Donald Trump Jr. texted again and again, urging action by the president, quote, we need an Oval Office address. He has to lead now. It has gone too far. Meadows also claims that he offered the text messages and thousands of documents in good faith, but couldn't testify about it because of executive privilege. This is not about a real investigation. This is about a real political uh, narrative. The former White House chief of staff is the third Trump official associate facing a contempt citation by the select committee, even though about 300 witnesses have cooperated. John Eastman, who advised the former president on ways to overturn the election, is suing the select committee and Verizon to block the release of his cell phone records. Getting into rapid news, a Florida school district is court-ordered to pay $26 million to the Parkland school shooting victims. And Keyshot Sewell will become the first woman to lead New York City's police department. What do you got for us for this wonderful Friday morning good news? All right. So for this morning, I have a, a nice little story, right? So there was a woman in Pennsylvania who was ready to give birth. She had gotten, you know, started the contractions and all of that, but she didn't have anyone to drive her to the hospital. So she decided that she'd drive herself. Well, she started out, you know, heading towards the hospital. It was about a 40-minute drive. She thought that she would have plenty of time. However, when she got into the highway, traffic just stopped. You know, it was just completely backed up. It wasn't moving at all. And eventually, the contractions began to get closer and closer. And she knew that she wasn't going to make it. So she called 911. And uh, the 911 operator actually helped... This woman delivered her baby uh, while on the side of the highway, you know, and told her how to get 
uh, you know, propped up in the right position and just how to get through it all. Just talked her through it each step of the way. And at the same time, worked to get a uh, an ambulance to her location. And that's not even where the story ends. Because afterwards, a little while later, uh, the two actually met in person for the first time. And... The woman asked this 911 operator to be the godmother of the child. And, mind you, this 911 operator had only been in this job for four weeks and was, uh, and was doing all this and was helping this woman through uh, this, this childbirth. But the child was born healthy, everyone was, you know, perfectly okay, and now they have a, you know, lifelong connection and, like I said... Um, this 911 operator is now the godmother of the child. Aww. I know, it's, isn't that adorable? It's, oh, I don't know what else to say. Besides <laughs> aww. <laughs> you know, this story is just kind of cool because we, we've had plenty of stories on here before. Right, that have to do with stranger connections and just like random connections between people that never knew each other before and, and never would meet under normal circumstances. Uh, and this is just another one of those. This is another one of those uh, with an event like, you know, giving birth to your child and being able to get that help. For that 911 operator, less than a month into her job to... Uh, be able to stay that calm and talk this woman through it all, keep her calm and just, you know, make sure everything goes as smoothly as it possibly can until the ambulance arrives. That is amazing. And then the added part of just, you know, them meeting and the operator becoming the godmother. That's just, that part's just adorable. I, I really don't know what to say besides aw. So I'm just going to end it with aw. It's <laughs> all you need to say, Chris. It's all you need to say. That is the end of this Friday morning news episode. Make sure you follow us on BBC News' Twitter account for the latest 24-hour break from news so you are always in the know. Check out our personal accounts to see what we are up to. But until Monday morning with a brand new news episode to catch you up from over the weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you later.